0: up, So maybe, Giamo, if you don't mind, do you think we can start maybe talking about uh, your background and then just maybe begin the conversation, or do you think we should wait a bit?
1: Uh, I think let's begin and people will find us on the way.
0: Okay, awesome. Sounds good. Here. So I'm very interested um, with tonight's topic of voting for independent candidates and um, continuing this series of... Election Wednesdays where we unpack um, topics to do with the upcoming local elections, which are on the horizon. And, yeah, I have, I have a lot of questions, right, to um, when it comes to independent candidates because there's been a lot of dissatisfaction um, in terms of voter, voter turnout. And a lot of people are suggesting that the current, or well, the previously existing ele- electoral system the way it was set out wasn't really that effective in bringing about change and many people decided not to turn up to polls and even for these elections coming up people haven't really turned up so jama <clears throat> i just um first of all just like to uh, ask you what got you uh, interested in running as an independent and then also if you think that uh running as an independent candidate can bring about some sort of um difference and change compared to the current um existing political landscape
1: yeah so basically we as communities have had to look after ourselves if we're hungry we have to make our own plans to feed ourselves if we have no place to stay we must create our own shelter people without jobs must create their own income so basically, communities are already responsible for providing for themselves. And when you look around and you see that sad state and the fact that many of us are struggling to make ends meet and buy, need a change of some sort in local government. Local government is meant to make sure that everyone has access to shelter, that people who are hungry are no longer hungry, that all these services are provided. So that's motivated me to run. On the second point, which is, do I think we can actually bring about change? I definitely think so.
0: Awesome. So, as 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 an independent candidate, it's suggested that um, you will not be influenced by any other political agendas that will be dominated by a political group and that you'll simply be representing um, your community and your issues. Is it really um, that straightforward, do you find, Chiama, that um, there's no way for an independent candidate to maybe uh, not deliver on what he's promised or be disingenuous towards the people that he's serving? Is it really... Um, that simple just as to say that this is the the solution?
1: No, uh, I don't think the solution is simple. I think it's going to take communities coming together. That's the first step and demanding more from our local government because there's a lot of different decisions that are made at the top, not just your ward councillor. You've got the rest of the council. You've also got the people who are put into bureaucratic positions. For instance, like, let's say you've got a manager who's meant to look after public spaces, public land, public parks, that person isn't elected, they're appointed by the municipal council. You need to make sure yeah. that, that that bureaucratic person is also doing the adequate work. So as long as a community is strong and we're holding the people above us accountable, you can get things done. But where independent candidates come in is it makes that work a lot easier. Because if you've got a community rallying around someone that's actually in government, they've got a much greater platform, greater voice, greater legitimacy and strength than if the community is just rallying on its own. You've seen how local governments and even provincial and national governments have responded to service delivery protests or regular gathering of people. So yes, we need the community to come together and force accountability from the top and having independent candidates elected assist in making that community stronger.
0: Fantastic. Um, awesome. I really like how you've um cleared that up and really eloquently answered that question. I would just uh like to ask you maybe just uh, more personally on your journey and where you see yourself these coming elections. Um, where exactly are you based? Um, what are the interests? that you think that you will represent for your community? And um, how has it been so far running as an independent candidate?
1: Yeah, so I'm a 23-year-old activist. I live in the Bloemfontein CBD. It's Ward 19 here in Mangawong. We've done quite a lot to give you an image of what our area looks like. We work with informal traders and youth at craft markets to create income and tackle the lack of jobs. Ours being the CVD means there's going to be a lot of people who come to the area for economic opportunities, but don't find it. We work at a soup kitchen for the homeless and hungry. A lot of homeless people congregate in our area because there's a lot of abandoned buildings. There's a lot of resources that are unused. I mean, the library, the, the stadium in the, in the municipality, they're all located in our ward. We've got a university that there's just an immense amount of resources. So lots of people, of course, come for opportunities and they don't experience that. They end up hungry and homeless. So We've got a soup kitchen we work at to help them out. We help fix up a lot of the abandoned buildings and um, some of the parks in the area as well. We also fight evictions, which is really common because rent is too expensive for many people. All the things, like I mentioned earlier, that our local government isn't doing for us. So we've really stepped in to provide for our communities. So what does our community look like here in Ward 19? We've got a lot of students because one component of Ward 19 is a heavy student area. Lots of students studying at one of the universities of technology, Central University of Technology, in one of the CVETs called Mateo. We've also got uh, poorer regions in the area, much more rural and township-like, um, Vista, Alekh, Park, and Araniasukh. Araniasukh used to be a very vibrant uh, in- industrial place. So you had lots of uh, factories, people working in the motor industry, and the effects of COVID-19, but even before then, Economic down meant that a lot of those businesses closed down. And Aranyasakh now is really well known, apart from repairing your cars, as a place, a scrapyard where you go to um, put in metal, um, fine metals, dump metals, And the only real industry there is the scrapyard industry now, which really tells you the decline of that place. Even the more affluent areas in the ward, like West Dean, which is um, a, a lot more business professional, like has had, uh you know, it's where nightlife is and and bars and cafes, those, those sort of kind of places. A lot of them have closed down. So internet cafes are closing down. You've even had nightclubs closed down. Um, they just aren't making any income. Uh, and obviously COVID-19 was the big factor here, but local government didn't step in to give any kind of support. I mean, national government as well. They should have, but they didn't. And we know that the money that was allocated to help out small businesses wasn't actually given to a lot of small businesses, a lot of large businesses ate that up because of, you know, the relationship between them and the government, you know, like the big malls. So basically, uh, one thing that characterizes our area is that there's a lot of amazing resources. There are, you know, big, stunning, beautiful buildings and lots of vacant land. But those resources aren't going towards helping people. They're either helping a few greedy uh, people who are connected with the government or the government's friends in the area who aren't even looking after these places. Uh, I mean, you, you can't have lots of empty fields. And at the same time, informal traders who are struggling to find a place to sell their stuff. Same with empty buildings. You can't have that and people who are struggling to find a place to store their stuff or struggling to find a place to sleep. You can't have empty fields and hungry people when you could use that to uh, grow food. So it, it, I think the one major aspect that defines our places, it should be very simple for the local government to provide services to people when we're so resourced. It's just that there isn't the wool.
0: Sure. Thank you so much for answering that question and um, that brilliant answer that you gave us. You touched on so many important points there.
1: Yeah, you did ask another question at the very end. I didn't write it down. I can't remember.
0: Oh, yes. I think I asked about, um, like, how it's been so far, your your journey. But, yeah, I I was just going to... Say yeah, that you you touched on so many interesting points, and it seems like you have gained so much experience with um your your community engagement efforts. And I just wanted to elaborate, maybe further on. I wanted you to elaborate, maybe further on how you've been engaging with people in your local area. Have has it just been? Has it been online? Has it been face to face, door to door, or have you guys been congregating? In certain spots, yeah. And um, how have people uh, received the idea of you running as an independent candidate? Like, um, does it take a lot of time to educate them on what the differences are, or do they immediately, you know, uh, yeah. It, yeah? Do they immediately like respond well to the idea, or yeah? So, how's it been trying to engage and the reception?
1: So starting with our campaign strategy, you'll know that the IEC kind of delayed this election, um, tried to have the election postponed, and the official electoral period was effectively one month. So with that very short period of time, we thought what would be best is if we just hit the ground as hard as we can and try to reach as many people as we can. So we, our first phase was a canvassing phase where we walked around in communities, spoke to people and took down their numbers, a lot of those people weren't registered to vote, unfortunately, so they cannot support our campaign at the election, but we did still take down their details. They'd be able to find out more about what we're doing and maybe help reach those who are registered to vote. We've got about 800 people on our contact list right now, and we send them WhatsApp messages that are relevant for their area. The second thing we do is we plan creative campaign events. So we aren't politicians. you know. We're community organizers, activists, people who do things with our hands and on the ground. So we're not going to just walk around and tell people to vote for Tiamor. We actually organized activities. Like in Orania we organized a park cleanup. Where we actually went into a park. We were picking up glasses, glass shards. You know, there was lots of glass on the floor. And the, the young people in the area couldn't play in the park because they'd cut themselves. So we'd pick up the glass. We'd help repaint some of the um, park equipment, you know, like the tire. And um, we wanted to paint things like the swings and stuff. We're going back on Friday. To continue doing some more painting. Um, the other campaign activity like in West Dean, which is a more affluent area, there used to be market. There was market shut down. So we actually organized a market in an area like West Dean as part of our campaign. Um, in CBD, we're helping we helped fight off an eviction recently. Uh, in Willows, we've got some students who called us in because their, their place was broken into and they needed our help communicating with the landlord to improve their security measures and the landlord actually did end up fixing their gates so it's sort of like the kind of services that government is mainly providing for people we've sort of uh, put into our campaign like we want to show people that service delivery is possible as part of the campaigning effort and built trust with the community um, then uh, you know how the campaign been I think political parties have an advantage in the sense that lots of people vote for parties by default because they're strong organizations that have existed for a long time Lots of people don't even know that independent candidates are contesting in our award or in elections at all. And some, as you mentioned, don't even know that independent candidates can contest. So we sort of explain to them we're not from any political party. We get all of our mandate from communities. And uh, they do understand when we explain, you know, what an independent is and what makes us different than political parties. And many of them say, oh, you know, we'll support you because you're an independent. Um, but I think the most unfortunate thing for us is that a lot of young people aren't registered to vote. And it's easy to blame young people for this. It really is. But by the time you're much older, you, you, you naturally know a lot more about everything, including things like elections. It's just the, the, the natural flow of things is that a lot of young people don't have this information. You know, the way in which it's meant to be given to us isn't necessarily filtered down adequately. You don't have people doing like what we're doing, where we walk from person to person and tell them exactly how elections work and how they operate. That kind of voter education isn't done that way. Uh, and if you look at the IEC Twitter, you know, the kind of vote education they put out. Today, they put out a tweet saying that if you don't vote, you lose your right to complain. Obviously, the IEC is not adequately utilizing its social media platforms to reach out to young people and give young people vote education. They're actually, um, you know, using their online platforms to shame young people for not voting. So obviously, that, you know, turns young people away from politics. So uh, I think the most unfortunate thing in our campaign is that our area, which has got a lot of young people, has a lot of people that aren't registered to vote. And many of them, you know, some, some ask, you know, how, how do we re- get registered? And I, I have to tell them that, you know, unfortunately, the voter's role was closed for, for this year's election. Many of them don't even know there is an election. And I, I don't necessarily blame these young people. A lot of them, um, after we speak to them, do want to vote. They, they, they just didn't have anyone reach out to them before. Uh, I mean, COVID-19 is also a big issue because without COVID-19, maybe we would have had an eight or a nine month campaign. And then we would have been able to speak to every single young person in the build up. To voter registration and make sure that everyone's registered. But with lockdowns and with vaccinations starting so late, um, we, we really started campaigning late. So the final thing I'll just say is, relative to the political parties, how, how do I feel we are as independents? I, I genuinely think independents can win elections, especially with a really strong campaign like the kind of campaign we're running. It's just about whether or not we can reach everyone. If you aren't able to reach everyone, they won't know that you're even running. They won't know that you're even an option, which means they'll either stay away, which is, you know, a lot of the people that stay away are the people that would vote for independence. You know, you can't rely on those that are already showing up for elections. Our our area, some areas only has 50% 50 voter turnout. You know, those are the people who are radicalized by particular political parties. The one that that's 70% that's not showing up, a lot of them would vote for independent candidates, but they, they just don't know the independence of running. And it's very difficult to get that information out there. So the, the biggest thing we're facing is just a lack of information. It's not a, a lack of capacity to campaign or to reach out to people um, or, no, 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 uh, or to convince people rather to vote for independence. The big problem is our ability to reach out. We, we don't have a lot of finances. I'd I, say our campaign in total has spent 10,000 rand so far. 1,000 rand is just to get onto the ballot. So that, that already eats into 10% of our spending so far, just, just in order to contest. And then to print things like posters and signs has been another 5,000 rand. So uh, that, that is still not the actual real campaigning, you know, petrol money for transporting, food, for volunteers, the, the kind of things that keeps your campaign team going. You know, if, if you think about the amount of money uh, we've spent, which is almost nothing, I, I just look at how much political parties have, have spent. So to save money, we actually printed um, posters that you actually glue up on walls. We didn't print posters that you put on the street poles. You know, we found the cheapest quotation we found for those was 40 rand for one of those posters that they put on these street poles. You know, that's crazy considering the fact that some political parties have thousands of them up around the municipality. It means that they spend, you know, 40,000 rand just on posters. We, we haven't even spent a quarter of that. I mean, we've only spent a quarter of that overall. So, uh, you know, already the fact that we've got like less posters, we've got a different type of poster. Um, that it is a huge gap between the capacities that political parties have and in the capacities that we have as independent candidates. So I I, I know I said that was the final point, but I think one last, last, last thing to explain is when you're an independent candidate, uh, people don't, oh, not everyone will know who you are in your area. There will be a lot of people that know you uh, and it's advisable that you have done some work before. So some people know you, but it's inevitable that some people won't know you. So you're a bit of a stranger to them. So they don't know whether they should trust you or support you with political parties. At least everyone knows them, you know, that they've already got brand recognition. So, you know, to over to over to overpower that, we need to walk out as a big group. You need to have branded T shirts. You need to look official. At one point we were looking into wearing bibs and getting um uh these 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 uh clipboards just to look a bit more official because you, you've got a you've got a huge trust disadvantage that you need to build. And that's another reason why we were doing things like park cleanups and stuff like that, so people could see that we're actually serious. Now some people, uh, they see us campaigning four or five times in a day. One question you ask is what spots we campaign. I'm going to ask that in a second. And they say, well, you're actually really serious. We see you out here every day. So we choose high-dense areas. Going doors are always tricky because of COVID-19, but also because there's a lot of flats and a lot of abandoned buildings. So you'll walk into a building and you'll just knock on empty doors. And actually, no one lives there because it's been abandoned, you know. So you, you, you're sort of – the best strategy is to, to be at supermarkets, especially special shops, corner shops, convenience stores, those are the ones that are used mostly by people that live in the area. So a big mall or a big shopping complex, you know, people who live outside the area um, might, you know, go to those big complexes. Like there's a, the, the, biggest, the biggest mall in the city is in our ward. You know, it's not necessarily wise to campaign there because everyone in the city goes there. But the, the, corner, the corner stores, those, those, are, those are the ones used by people who actually live there. And we'll stand there for two to three hours, canvas, uh, talk to people as they're going in and out, collect some of their names. And some people see us there the whole week and they say, wow, you're really serious. And that's been really helpful. So I guess to summarize it all is we are reaching, we're convincing a lot of people. It's just a pity that a lot of the people who want to support us uh, aren't registered to vote and didn't even know that they could get registered.
0: Sure, man. There, There are so many challenges, but so inspiring to hear all the work that you're doing and the amount of effort that you guys have put in. It's really, really um, commendable, and I really, really hope that you guys have a successful campaign campaign going forward. I uh, just wanted to ask you guys, um, when engaging with people in, in in these areas, what are the issues that you've heard maybe that stick out the most that they've uh, feedback to you guys that they want to see change in the area or things that they're struggling that uh, stand out that uh, you think that needs some attention in terms of change and reform?
1: Yeah, a lot of people say, are you going to give us a job? You know, and that's one of the big questions. I'd say if there was one issue that stood out the most, that uh, lots of people lost their jobs during COVID-19. Some were never employed, especially really young people. You know, sometimes you see young people that they just, you know, sitting uh, uh, on the floor not doing much because they don't think there's much that they can do um, and you know if we, we, we walk past them or we speak to them and they say you know do, do you have a job for us you know and it's, it's a bit sad because number one there's a lot of parties promising things like jobs that local government will create jobs There are some things local government can do such as the EPWP expanded public works program it empowers the municipalities to employ people on short-term contracts to do things like clean up parks or pick up litter in the city you know, provide municipal services to people, basically, and they earn income for providing the services. So, that, you know, it, technically, it is true that a municipality can offer people jobs, but uh, by and large, as an independent candidate or an individual ward councillor, the best that we can do is create a space for people that make things. You know, maybe they make clothes or they, 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 they make food of a certain sort to make perfumes, they make candles, they, they make jewellery and crafts, they make artworks to sell. Like a, a marketplace, in other words, that that's something you can do within your own powers. So, the best that we offer people is like some kind of um, use your hands to create something and install it and, and earn some income. And that's the best way that we can fight unemployment and joblessness with our own power, without having to rely on anyone from above. It's also more sustainable than the EPWP, which by definition is always short term contract work. And then, after that, you know, well, what do you do? I mean, you you don't have a job that is paying you every month, it, it will only pay you for a short period. After you've fixed up that park, your contract expires and you no longer have the EPWP job. So, I mean, we do support things like EPWP and and other ways that municipalities can give income to people, but we also try to create long-term sustainable solutions. I mean, you've got malls that are racking a lot of money, you know, McDonald's, um, H&M and those brands like H&M selling clothes, but that money leaves the community and McDonald's is selling chips and that money leaves the community. What if you had someone in our community that makes clothes or someone that makes fries and we were supporting them instead? That person would then take that money in and spend it on someone else within the community and that person, you know, it's like a sharing solidarity economy where you build that it's sustainable. And, you know, you, got, you have a multiplier effect of money staying in the community instead of a multiplier effect of money being drained out An the entire community getting in poor I think the second major thing that we hear from a, a lot of people is um, you know, when you get into government, won't you just abandon us? You know, won't you just become corrupt like the rest of them? Won't you just eat the money? You know, so it's a, there's a huge distrust in the entire political system which isn't necessarily uh, uh, something that this person wants, but they just want to understand how I or independent candidates in general change that structure of that political system. you know. And what I try to explain to them is um, parties uh, create that problem because political parties have their own interests. For instance, a party will think, how can I get as many seats as possible? Because that, that's, that's the calculus going on in, the, in a party's mind. How do I increase my power within this municipality? They only got three seats. How do I increase that to 10? How do I increase that to 15? Say, I've got half the seats. How do I keep those seats? And then how do I get to a supermajority? You know, they're always asking, how can we get more seats? How can we get more power? So I explain to people that an independent candidate can never think that. It's impossible for an independent candidate to get more than one seat. They aren't thinking, how can I get a second, a third, a fourth seat? They're only thinking, how can I serve my community best? Because the way in which independents hold on to power is to serve people. And I say, if an independent doesn't serve you, vote them out after five years. But with a political party, you know, you might not like the specific candidate and you might get that specific candidate out and they replace that candidate with a new candidate. But the entire party is still thinking about how do I get more power? How do I increase my seat? And if they think they can get more seats by focusing more on one area instead of focusing on your area, then they're not going to focus on your area. Maybe there are too few voters in your area. They won't care about you because, you know, to increase their PR numbers, they're going to care most about areas where there's a huge quantity of voters or, you know, whatever decisions they make. So um, uh, that's basically how we answer that question. I think the third question that we get quite a lot, uh, especially from the older people, not necessarily from a lot of the younger people, is, you know, if you're an independent and you're alone, how can you convince a lot of the other people to join with you or to help you out in any way? How can you get anything done if you're alone in council? Uh, so how do we explain this to a lot of the older folk? folks? Is we say, okay, firstly, there are some powers that ward councillors have on their own. And I've experienced this firsthand because I've been in the ward committee for the past five years. For instance, our municipality allows any ward councillor to book a municipal building. You can do that without the council. You just need your councillor to book it. Uh, they can book it on your behalf. The councillor can book it themselves. So let's say I book a municipal building from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And I say that we're going to have a, a youth arts market from, in this building from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I don't need the rest of the council to agree to say, okay, we uh, endorse this idea of this, uh, this arts market. I, I, I can sign off that space because it's a municipal building within my ward that I'm using for service delivery. So I I kind of explained to them how there's a lot of things that we could do because my ward is heavily resourced and these are municipal buildings, municipal land that won't necessarily need the approval of council. But secondly, we've really worked with some of the other parties on things such as IDP, uh, you know, integrated development plans. You have to develop a ward plan for each ward and you sort of negotiate with the parties on how to allocate those funding and National Treasury only unlocks that money if you provide that IDP ward plan. So there's certain legal restrictions on councils just doing whatever they want. You know, they have to include the aspirations of our world within their planning, which means that we're protected legally, and that legal protection is much larger than even the powers of the municipal council. Yeah, but, so I'd say, um, apart from people asking for jobs, some, a lot of people sort of ask more questions that are political, like, um, will you have enough power to enact these sort of changes you want? How do we know you won't be corrupt? You know, it, it, it might seem like people might want to talk about roads and stuff like that, but I think they don't necessarily want to have those kind of conversations. Everyone knows the roads aren't working. No one's got electricity. Uh, no one's got water. When I approach them and I say, you know, support our campaign, the first question is, you know, can we trust you? Will you have power to get things done? Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Jeez. Um, <laughs> the way you um, speak and the way you've uh, told us about the work that you've done. I honestly wish you were running in my area. I would vote for you. So my last and final question would probably be how can an independent candidate like you, who's trying to create such change in your local community, how can you maybe influence people around the country to do likewise and for the momentum to pick up in other areas, so that there's a nationwide change and solid impact around the country when it comes to independent candidates taking back the power of their communities.
1: Yeah, I don't know who made this decision a long time ago, but there seems to be a decision made amongst NGOs, community-based organizations, faith-based organizations, that they'll be non-political. So you've got a lot of people organizing. Fighting for the achievements of human rights or basic services. Sometimes they are single-issue organizations, but they've all decided that they're not going to participate in politics. And, and I understand it, You know, you don't want to favor one political party over another. Parties are divisive. If you look like you're favoring one party, then your NGO, whatever, loses support from people who aren't members of that party. But independent candidates are unique in the sense that they don't belong to any political party. If I'm an NGO. And I'm supporting an independent candidate. I'm not making any kind of statement about any of the political parties. I'm not aligning myself to any of the political parties. So I, I think it is a bit of an error for existing organizations to not engage in independent politics because it's impossible for let's say I, you know, I've seen Mr. My Money's done a good job to try and start up a new independent org. org but to be fair, he left the political party I and mean, he was the leader of a political party, and you have seen that. It's much easier if you're already the leader of some major organization to start something new like Herman Mashaba's success at Action SA is only because he's Herman Mashaba, you know, and Julius Malema's success at EFF is only because he's Julius Malema. You know, without that um, figurehead that was already in the political domain, starting something, new political projects fail very easily. So NGOs, CBOs, faith-based organizations, they're already big. They've already got lot, huge follower bases and huge mailing list. They have people's numbers who live in the particular community and area. They already have trust. They don't have to go to people and say, I'm a new person, vote for me. It's more like, we've been working with you for a long time, support one of us. I think they need to revise their strategy of being non-political. Because the best chance independent candidates have to win is if they emerge from those community organizations. And we've seen that this year. I mean, you're seeing it in Makanda, you're seeing, uh, uh, you know, communities, Rising up in Botswana, you're seeing it as well, where people who have been rallying, who have been fighting issues for a long time are saying, okay, now we're going to nominate candidates from within our ranks to run as independents." So I'd say to answer your question, we need more of that. We need more of existing organizations that have been doing great work, um, nominating people from among their ranks to run as independent candidates. We don't need people that, you know, sort of come out of nowhere, because I think that's why we've had a lot of failure with independent candidates so far in South Africa, because they just don't have the the strong history that political parties have, the brand recognition, the the ease of, of campaigning when you're someone new to a lot of people, the resources and funding, you know, that these large NGOs would, would necessarily have. And if an NGO is very serious about achieving, whether it's a single issue or it's general rights for people, then that's never going to happen with the current government it's, it's just not going to happen and a lot of these ngos know how frustrating it is to to work uh, as a non-governmental organization and i know it's ironic that i'm asking a non-governmental organization to support you know an independent candidate but i think that's what we need in other words i think we need to do away with the end part of ngos altogether i think they, they, they do need to start engaging independent candidacy and that's the only way independence can win and, and build a strong movement in my in my opinion
0: Sure, fantastic. Thank you so much for speaking with us this evening. Um, I just want to close by asking anybody in the audience if they would like to ask you final question. Just to close, <clears throat> you can request to speak and you can ask Jamal a question. Otherwise, we can wrap up for this evening. So I'll just give it um, a few seconds for someone to request.
1: Yeah, and I've got some of the campaign... Um... Uh, members here on the chat as well, if any of them want to say anything, maybe add to anything I've said. Um, also, my friends in the campaign, feel free to speak.
0: Awesome. Yes, of course. Um, anybody else who's going to be participating um, as an independent or will be supporting Jamo and would like to say something, you are always free to request and have a have a say.
2: Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to pose my question to Tiamu. Um, You know, um, independent candidates, you know, the, the very word itself, it just means, you know, independent, obviously. You're standing on your own two feet. I would just like to know, though, um, how has the response been from, um, you know, the, the people um, while you've been out there? Uh, you know, has it been positive? Have you been getting some fantastic feedback Um yeah, that's yeah. How was your support?
1: Yeah, thanks for the question, Ling. So um, I was already well known in the area that I'm contesting in before the election. So when we first announced we were running, lots of people were excited. They said, "No, this is really good. You need to stand up to um, a lot of those people who aren't building our communities, making it work for everyone." Whilst campaigning, I also bump into people that I already know. So they, they they just are enthusiastic, they help drive up, they help raise funds. But then when it comes to those that don't know me yet, some ask really um, strong questions about who I am and where I've been. Some ask really tough questions like we were discussing earlier, and I just try to be as humble as I can to listen, but then to also give very strong responses. It's been really rare that I've met hostile people, like people that boo me away or I mean, yeah, there's people who just walk past you and won't let you, you listen. And, uh, you know, lots of young people can be a bit mean in general, but I, I wouldn't say I've had any hostile responses. I think the other thing that helps is um, the way we run our campaign is we're not too invasive. Like, if we can really see that this person, you know, doesn't want to talk to us, doesn't want to come to the door, we, we just move on, you know? So maybe that's what's avoided a lot of the hostility. But generally, I think we've got a positive reception. I would just like to add a caveat there that a lot of our positive reception comes from people that aren't registered to vote. And that makes a lot of sense. They didn't, uh, uh, I mean, apart from not knowing and getting the information, a lot of them chose not to register to vote because they don't believe in the political system. So when the candidate comes around and tells them, well, I'm just like you, I don't believe in any of these political parties. They're like, oh, great, you know, but they're not registered yet. So, um, which, which is the majority of people in the area. The other thing is because our campaign isn't only just about the vote it's also about the things that we're doing in the area some people actually come help us out like we can recruit people for the soup kitchen for instance um we we ask people to help us organize our arts market which we're organizing so you've got people actually helping us literally do things that make the community better and and the park cleanup for instance so that that reception could be better i i do still feel like some members of the community are still watching to see, okay, can I trust this person? Should I join them? They aren't really used to a lot of these community initiatives, so they just sit and watch. But eventually, I think we'll get more of them to to get involved. Um, There is some good news, and the good news is I've learned quite a lot about uh, ways in which um, to talk to people without sounding like a politician. Because you you don't have uh, each person that you're talking to, you don't have them for a lot of time, especially if they're in a rush. If you're standing outside the supermarket, they want to go and get the groceries. You don't have time to really take them through, like we are in this call, like the full, you know, extent of your plan and how you think their role in your plan should be. So you sort of have to just say a few words to them. And I guess that political parties, it folds us down to just saying catchy slogans, which I won't repeat now. Um, But what we do is very different. We say... um, Yo, we're not from any political party. We just want to bring people together and then we take down their contact details. Then we we're able to send them a lot, much larger message on WhatsApp, like with the full details of what we're trying to achieve. Then they can receive all that information via their mobile phone. That way we aren't just, you know, telling people slogans and then votes to Tiamo. We're actually explaining what we're doing. We have dialogues with people. They ask us questions on WhatsApp and then we respond. And, you know, that's where a lot of the conversations I said earlier come up, where they even ask us questions, they ask for voter education, we're able to send them posters, we're able to involve them in our activities, because we start a dialogue with them. The reception definitely improves after people hear what we have to say. Some people say we're not going to vote in this election, you know, we take on their number, we send them the information, and they say, okay, well, we'll consider it. Some say they're not going to vote, and then they see us standing there the next day, and they see us standing there the day after, and they say, okay, you weren't just here for one day. This wasn't a tick box exercise for you. Some of the parties, they campaigned once in the area and then never again. So uh, people are used to that, like a politician coming once and not returning. So I I think the reception improves when we're consistent. The the reception improves when we're able to have a real dialogue with people, which we do over WhatsApp after taking down their number. Um, How we get the number in the first place is we tell them we're not a political party. So I think being independent has played a large role in our ability to get people's contact details. And then getting their contact details has played a large role in making sure that we're able to converse adequately with people. We're even able to take ideas from them. Sometimes they have certain information they want to give us, some tips, some advice. We obviously listen to what community members have to say. Uh, that's how we were able to organize a safety march that we're having next week, Monday. We, we didn't organize it and then advertise it. We organized it with people in the area who've been experiencing break-ins and other social issues. And and then we were able to organize that march together with them. The same thing with the arts market, which we're doing next weekend. Um, So I don't know if that really answers you decisively. I'd say that the response hasn't been bad. But uh, we haven't reached everyone. You know, I don't even think that we've reached half the registered voters who live in the area. There's seven areas. Let's start there. So it's it's a a lot of different areas. Um, Some of it is separated by five to ten kilometers because the, the way the demarcation is done is very weird. It's very odd. Some other people's wards have one area, and then there's a 40-kilometer road that separates the two areas. But ours is lucky. It's just a 10-kilometer road. But that's a really long distance to cover. So um, it's very difficult to reach everyone. So uh, there's been a positive response from those we have reached. But unfortunately, we have not yet reached everyone. And for the next 10 days, we're just going to try our best to reach as many as we can.
2: Um, no, thank you. Thank you so much. You know, that just um cleared up some um yeah, some of um the concerns that I had because I know um, you know, people are people will still, you know, they'll still have trepidation about someone new. I mean, I know we we've seen how how um the elected, you know, will fall back into um well, you know voting along loyalty lines, basically, and not really being open to anyone new. Um, but I just think that you are a refreshing voice. Um, and, yeah, we love the work that you're doing. Uh, yeah, but that's that's all that I wanted to ask. Thank you so much, Tiamo. Thank you.
0: Yes, and just from my side, uh, one more time, thank you so much, Tiamo. And just to ask people in the audience once more if uh, anybody, like I said earlier as we are wrapping up, if you have any more questions for Tiamo Tiamo, as we finish the session feel free to request and ask now, otherwise thank you for joining in another session of the Chit Chat Club for Election Wednesday Um, this conversation will be available back for playback on our podcast so Follow open dialogue. Follow the Daily Vox. Follow Youth Capital, and look out for the post. Um, we will be back there. And yeah, thank everyone. Have have a good evening.
1: Yeah. And Could I maybe yeah. say something in closing as well? <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, hundred um, percent.
1: Close. Yeah, you spoke a bit earlier about you know also looking forward past just this election. You know, building a movement. You know, for long term, we have a website, uh, Tiamo for Willows written out for, for Willis, and it's, it's it's got a lot it's got um a good description of our issues and our entire platform it's got media work earlier when it was voter registration it had lots of information on how to register it's it's sort of like a, a good platform for people to look at and see how they can also you know think about issues within their own community i'm also available to talk to anyone you know you don't only have to live in my ward. I, I can give you insights about what we've experienced in our ward. Maybe next time you want to run as an independent candidate, I can also help. Uh, you can sort of give you advice on how you can run as an independent. We also obviously do a lot of community programs. So even apart from whether you want to run as an independent or not, if you need advice on how to fight an eviction, you know, we've got some experience in that. And we can share the information with each other. One of the big problems is there's not a lot of people sharing information with each other. Um, And you might also have certain information that might help me. So I I just want to say, like, if you're on this Twitter space, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to get to movement building, we need to all talk to each other and we need to all work together. If you go to our website, you'll also see my contact details. So let's connect with each other. Even if you're in a different part of the country, let's continue to work together. Let's continue to build together. Because apart from this year's election, going forward, we're going to need to be strong and united if we're going to solve issues around the country. And uh, that's my hope. And that's all I want to say in closing. Thank you.
0: Awesome. 100% uh, spot on. You hit the nail on the head. We should all connect and share information and share resources and sh- and help each other grow the country. And on that note, good night, everyone. Um, we hope to see you soon. Take care and, yeah,
2: make, make the right choice on the uh, 1st of November.
1: Good night.